welcome back to Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Hosted, as always, by Roscoe and Steph the Fanalist. Steph, how you doing? Way better than before. Oh, I'm glad we pulled out the win, but oh my god. It was still, like, <laughs> questionable. Yep. Whirlwind of a game and a whirlwind of a day. Now, just uh, quick before we get into the show... Just want to give a trigger warning because after the game we are going to get into the explosive Blackhawks scandal that has just swept through the entire league this week. Uh, it's not something that's easy to talk about, but I think it's important that we give things like this the coverage that it deserves. Um, anyway, not to get too sad right off the top, we'll start with the Leafs win because the Leafs won and they haven't won in a while. <laughs> Woo! Finally! Oh my god, it's been a whirlwind just the emotions can't no handle kidding. it so um first period was a lot of the same that we've seen and twitter was not happy everybody was like ah, this is what i called it's two nothing end of the first another collapse nobody looks good and i gotta agree nobody looked good in the first and i was scared i don't know what happened but yeah I'm totally with you there, especially without Patrick Kane on the ice and a couple other Hawks members. You would assume that the Leafs would take control of this game early on, but uh, I was sad to see that first puck go in by Doc, uh, the power play goal, and then the second right after. But yeah, I had bad, bad thoughts at the end of that period there. It was giving me PTSD once again, but I'm so glad the Leafs turned it around, especially in the second period. I was a little less sad that Doc scored because looking ahead the other day, I was like, hmm, if Kane and Taves are out, though Taves did end up coming back for tonight, yeah. who is filling in for them? So I picked up Kirby Doc, who got the power play goal. So I was a little less sad about that, but Nice that was kind up. of in my accepting defeat phase of uh, being a Leaf fan tonight. So um, I was I was happy to uh, not stay in that mindset for the whole night. <laughs> yeah, speaking of fantasy, I'm I'm always happy to have Alex Brinkett and Seth Jones on my team in that stack, and they did grant me three points tonight. But I was just saying to myself as well, okay, it's time for the Leafs to score a couple. I'm totally satisfied fantasy-wise. The Leafs have to come back now and just win it. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, defense looked pretty bad in the first period on both those goals. I wouldn't blame Jack. I mean, just really bad play from... Uh, who was it who gave up the one right before Doc's goal? Oh, it was uh, Muzzin, who was pushing back and forth with Doc and couldn't keep his stick on the ice and just has his hand on his chest. And he had a clear shot on the net. Like, I don't know what's going on with this guy. I know a lot of people are saying he's playing hurt, which I would believe. But if he's hurt, like, this play is not worth putting him on the ice for. Yeah, he definitely does look hurt out there. He looks slow. He looks kind of uninterested at times. And it's defeating when you watch that. And I can't I can't imagine how Campbell thinks when he's looking forward and then the defense kind of gives up. So I'm glad that they bounced back in the second, even though it was uh, in the beginning, all right. But JT with the huge backhand goal. Oh, beauty. Sundin AF. 
We needed that, that so, so nice. badly. Yeah, and I find that Campbell in general kind of feeds off the play in front, like any other goalie would, but he's such an emotional player, and once the Leafs get going, that's when Campbell's at his best, because when the Leafs are just depleted, he is letting in awful goals, but I'm glad he was able to find his footing tonight. Yeah, it seems when everybody's going in front of him and they're trying to mount a comeback and everybody's investing in the comeback, it's like he kind of buys into it as well. And you see him come up with these crazy saves on the the two-on-ones and breakaways because, man, the, it, I wish it got better through the game. But top to bottom, like, I think, I mean, Brody played okay and Sandine played okay, but Riley was brutal. Muzzin yeah. and Hall were brutal. Like, ugh, just unplayable from the start of the game to the end but luckily Matthews looked like he had a fire under his ass for a change he was yelling I looked like he was yelling at the bench I don't know what you saw but looked like he was yelling at the Leafs bench yeah when I was scrolling through Twitter I noticed that a lot of people were saying that he was yelling at Hall actually so Ooh, I'm not surprised there yeah very interesting these are one of those moments where you wish they had a mic on them right you just want to know what he's saying but Matthews looked so frazzled tonight and kind of out of it. Like he just walked out of bed and jumped on the ice and you just couldn't tell him what to do. You know, <laughs> he was in that mindset. Oh, yeah. I think he's, his wrist is feeling better because uh, one thing I noticed in retrospect with him going for the two wraparounds the other night, I'm looking back on it like maybe he's not up to the point where he can shoot where he's confident in it yet. But tonight... Man, he, he woke up and chose goal, but <laughs> couldn't couldn't find the net. But uh, but it looked like he had a, a couple of solid chances. He looked invested in the game, which is a nice change. So did Marner, even though he made a lot of the same dancing around, unable to make a decision plays that we have seen literally since the beginning of the season, yeah. going into the end of the last season. Yeah. But uh, uh, speaking of times I wish players were mic'd up, that little altercation with Pierre Engvall, where Ooh. he uh, turned into an enforcer for a change. I mean, the rest of the night he was terrible. Uh, I don't know if you saw him go to make a change when the puck was behind him and uh, everybody thought he was going to go for it. And then he just turned around and starts getting to the bench. That was bad. <laughs> yeah. You know, tonight I actually watched the game from the Chicago feed and the announcers would not stop talking about uh Ingvall's height and they kept saying oh, yeah. oh he's six foot five six foot six just going against the boards and I'm like that's right you go giraffe you do what you do we need you on the ice tonight we need something uh anything I'm not saying you should just come out of the gate swinging but the Leafs just needed that push and that urgency in their game even in the um, pre-show warm-up, uh, Camp and Simmons and Keefe, they, they all said the urgency they need needs to be higher, they need to win. This felt like one of those must-win moments, especially against a team that is also fragile and they're looking for yeah. a, a win. So, yeah, I'm happy to see that out of Ingvall, especially the last couple games were not great from him whatsoever. Yeah, it, it was nice to see kind of the the Leafs that we saw last season where, you know, maybe they'll give up a couple in the in the beginning and be off to a slow start, but the scoring is there and they can score their way out of their problems. Like, as bad as the defense is playing all night, they can score their way out of their problems. This is how this team is basically built. We've gotten lucky that the defense 
has shaped up pretty well. And we've had some good young guys come in and Dubas was able to bring in some people to bolster it. But that was not really the plan from the beginning. That was kind of a, a band-aid because they weren't scoring enough to, <laughs> to score their way out of positions. Yeah, I'm just so happy in the sec- in the third period, rather, that Camp came back with a, another huge backhand shot, just mimicking Night of the backhands. Yeah, it's like this team can score better with their eyes closed. <laughs> it's just like, I'm so happy for my boy Camp. I talked so much about him in previous episodes. He deserves that goal, especially against his former team tonight. But, oh, you see the uh, big kiss that Simmons gave to him on the helmet on the bench? <laughs> the scales tip for the Leafs for once, for a, a good story of scoring against your former team. Uh, yeah. And then... Nobody could finish it in, uh, <coughs> pardon me, in regulation. And we go to overtime, where uh, I gotta say I was a little scared a couple times. I thought Matthews was gonna bury one. I thought Tavares was gonna bury one, and then right back to the other side, I thought Chicago was gonna win. But Willie, Willie, woo, gets the ah. OT winner and the Leafs win. Thank God. Yeah, the first breakaway for the Leafs happened on the overtime in the overtime sorry but during the game i just found that there were so many two-on-ones uh for chicago and then finally when it matters the most we see it happen happens for toronto and then willie with a huge goal right between the legs oh we needed that so badly and chicago was even confident enough to not play flurry tonight so that is another message sent to the leafs so I'm glad they were able to sneak one by this rookie. We know Lankanen is a great goalie being in his sophomore year, but wow, just I hate to talk trash on the Leafs even more. I'm so happy for this win, especially on my birthday. Like, thank you, hockey gods. But hopefully we can take this momentum moving into the next game on Saturday against the Detroit Red Wings out of all teams. Yeah, we're uh, kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel here. And that's another thing. I mean, yeah, we can say they didn't need to play Flurry, but the Blackhawks blocked like 20-something shots tonight. Like, they didn't let a lot get to Lankin, and even when the Leafs were able to, to uh, get some lanes open. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's it's hard to say if, if Flurry would have made a difference in that. But... Sorry, I forgot where I started on that point there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it would have made a difference if he was in net or not. You're absolutely right. The decor for Chicago came up strong. Murphy with huge blocks. Seth Jones with huge blocks. I think Seth Jones had his best game of the season with Chicago tonight. It definitely showed on the stat sheet for me anyways. And Yahoo Fantasy World. But uh, yeah, I'm just... Oh, two points. Let's just take it. Move we'll take forward. take it. And I want to talk a little bit about the power play, though. Tonight was the first time I thought the the first power play unit was better than the second. What do you think, Johnny? The first power play unit was good. They were doing things that I was not expecting. They were taking quick shots. They were seeing the open man, sending it to him. They were taking one-timers. Like, it was... It was a good power play. I was expecting them to score at least... Like, by the third one, I was like, okay... This one has to go in. Like, they've looked better and better. Well, I'd say the first power play was better than the second power play they had this game. But I was like, okay, this is the third chance. They have to score now. But still nothing. I don't know what's wrong here. 
Me either. And I do like ne- William Nylander in Marner's old spots. But then I found Marner, like you said earlier, dancing and dancing around with the puck. Not enough shots on net. Just just makes you want to tear your hair out at some points because sometimes the net is completely open on one side or, or no one's oh, even there. Or the no amount one's of times they, the open nets and the bouncing puck that Tavares couldn't put in and then that Mitch couldn't put in and like there was so Bunting couldn't put one. Bunting has been, not been great after the first couple games. I was I had really high hopes for him, but I think the added pressure of throwing him up on the first line was not uh, doing any favors for him. Which yeah. is the same thing I said about moving Spezza up. It's like if you change the role that you give this person, there's no guarantee that they're just going to play better in more minutes. Like they're playing well in the role you've given them for a reason. Yeah, I'm glad Keith's, Keith kept the lines together tonight, the same that were used uh, last game. Uh, give the guys a chance to play together and not shuffle around too much like he's done in previous games. But I have to agree about Bunting. Uh, he had a pretty dumb call in the first period which resulted in a penalty against the Leafs but uh, I think time will be better with for him and he's obviously not Zach Hyman on the wing but time will only tell I don't know speaking of dumb calls there were a couple that I want to talk about I mean that Matthews cross-checking call what the hell was that he gets Barely somebody touched him. It, well, well I forget who it was but whoever it was cut in between Matthews and Lankinen and had nowhere to go so like I don't understand what Matthews if if he had literally just kept his his stick and hand at his side instead of putting it up he wouldn't have got called for cross-checking but the guy still would have fallen exactly the same way so that's it's just stupid yeah I'm all for refs uh making more calls and practicing player safety on ice but sometimes it's a little too ridiculous you just wonder like where did you get that in your I don't know like, if you where saw did that come any, from? I don't know if you saw the updates from the Marlies game, but uh, apparently they had like half an hour of penalty minutes tonight. Ooh, last yeah, time I that, checked, it was, it was <laughs> bad. Yeah, last time yeah, I they checked, were down was... five nothing after like mm-hmm. a period and a half. I don't know where yeah. they're at now. Uh, Joseph Wall got pulled. Ooh. So lovely, eh? Yeah, speaking um, of goalie, I'm so glad uh, Campbell did not get hurt tonight or else Joseph Wall might be our 1B goalie behind oh my, my Michael Hutchison. So that when he got crushed through the net with the goalie interference call, oh, I'm, I'm always worried with the goalie, right? Because Jack Campbell is our only hope at this point. But good news is Peter Mrazek had a full practice with the team today or yesterday. So that's a plus. But Fantastic. Yeah. We'll uh, speaking of the soon. goaltender interference call, um, did we notice the goal horn go off and the music <laughs> and the lights? And, <laughs> and that wasn't even the first time that night. The goal horn went off earlier on a post and everybody started cheering. And I was like, okay. I mean, like, a, a quick draw on the goal horn is one thing, but they went full, like, lights and music and every. The, a, the puck never went in, B, the net was off. And there was a player in the goalie. In what world do they think that was going to be a goal? Yeah, whoever was controlling that tonight was a little too button happy there. They just saw the puck near the line. They're just like, okay, push, push, push. Yes, goal. But no, it was, it was funny to watch. But at the same time, I was thinking the same thing. Like, what are they doing? You're getting paid for what? 
Yeah. Uh, so we kind of started talking about the power play. We should take this to uh, a question from Twitter from Nick Evans at Evans underscore NJ. Uh, what do the Leafs need to do to fix their power play? It's beyond a fluke or bad luck. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is Manny Malhotra's doing, uh, if it's like a, a coaching of the power play problem, or if it's just a product of the lack of confidence or the slump, gold slump that all of them are in together. But like something's got to change here. I don't know if it's put Spetsa on the first power play, but they got to shake something up here. Yeah, I saw some talk about switching Marner and Spezza between the two power plays so that they have a, a better shooting option on the second power play. But I do like the current setup. I wouldn't oppose that offer there. But my problem is, is that there isn't enough pucks on net. They're just dancing around back and forth, back and forth. And there's no rebounds. There's no opportunity for rebounds. And when no. there is an opportunity, no one is there. No there's one nobody is there. Yeah. and if I'm sorry, be- the Blackhawks are not a defensive team. They're 0-6 <laughs> at this point. Like, they're not known for their defense. You guys should be in front of Lankanen. Yeah. At all times while the puck is in their zone. Yeah. Like, what is Pierre Engvall not doing? If not be in front of the net the whole time with that massive size of his. Like, come on. Yeah, Yeah, the Leafs just really need to keep their feet moving on the ice and quit just staring at the puck. They need to create more opportunities for one another because if there's a guy right in front, move over. Create more passing lanes. And if there's an open area of the ice, guaranteed that's a perfect shooting lane a target at the goalie they should take full opportunity of that especially if they have someone behind the net have two guys in front and if they lose the puck give two guys on that person like they're just not giving themselves a chance on the power play and that's exactly why i think personally it's not working right now yeah this is where you miss jvr and where you miss Kadri and where you miss hyman you need somebody that is causing hell in front of the net Somebody that is distracting at least one of the defensemen and the goalie. Somebody who might not even be involved in the play, but is causing enough shit in front of the net that everybody else is able to do what they need to. That is not happening with this team. Richie's not doing it. Bunting isn't doing it. Kampf and Kasha are not doing it. In the, like there's That is what's missing. They need, some, they need a powerhouse pain in the ass in front of the net. And they have the players that can fill their role. Nobody is filling that role currently. Yeah, I think they're relying on just getting too much of a clean shot off and having it going straight in the net. Personally, I would like to see Simmons back in front on that first power play so he uh, closes the eyes off of the goalie and can hopefully sink a couple loose ones in or doing the Marner and Spezza switcheroo. But I do believe Dubas had the idea of putting Richie in front of the first power play. Obviously, that hasn't worked out yet, but they have to do better, clearly. Not enough shots on the power play to begin with, and once they take more shots, then nothing's going to go in. Agreed. So, with this win, do the Leafs look different, or did they just get lucky tonight? I mean, personally, I think some of them looked different. I think part of the team is getting the message. I think there's some people that, whether they got the message or not, are still not playing well, but I think it's starting to get through to them that the regular season definitely matters this year, counter to uh, 
all of the preseason takes that it was just going to be no one's going to care until the postseason starts. This matters now. Yeah, you can tell that some players are getting a little frustrated on the bench and they're not used to losing five games in a row. Like, this is a winning team and we won the division last year and coming into the season on this huge slump, something has to change. And it's clear, like you said, some players are taking it to heart. I don't know if it's the road trip and they just need to get home, get some sleep and regroup, but... Obviously, we've been hearing the same answer time and time again. So I really hope once they get home, get fresh, things will change. But I don't know. Tonight, I think they did get a little lucky. Um, The OT was great, but it should have ended in the third period, of course, in a perfect world, right? But moving forward, hopefully it's not luck anymore. I mean, the Leafs tend to always be good in OT because based on the star power on this team, if you put any three players on the ice versus any three players on the other team, unless they're playing the Oilers or something, they should be better than whoever's out there. In that scenario where you have the whole ice to play with, like you've, you see how Matthews and, and to, uh, even Nylander can just explode. And I mean, Riley's one of the fastest skaters in the league, so that's somewhere they can excel but yeah the five on five and the the five on four is still really hurting so i think there's a couple people that still need to get that fire going again but i think they're on a better track than they were you know four or five days ago yeah definitely and the team has improved unfortunately it's not up to leafs nation standards but This is a good step forward. We got the two points tonight. It's only game eight. I'm trying to be positive here. If we lost this game 6-1, 4-1, just like the previous game, 7-1, then we'd we'd be screaming right now, right? We we knew this this was a must win for the Leafs, even though it's not game seven of the playoffs, but just analyzing each game time and time again, we haven't really noticed much of a change, but tonight I think they did make a little bit of a dent there, and I'm just hoping this carries forward. I hope it does too. The thing that worries me a little is Keith's comments post-game from the Carolina loss. And uh, he said something along the lines of, um, we played it like a real good team and a playoff contender, and we, we saw what that's like and learned things and yada yada. It's like this team has only ever played in the Canadian division before, which is not true. And that this team is on their first go at this, like they've never done this before, which is also not true. So I don't, I don't understand what we're supposed to take away from that. Like, are we supposed to be, Oh, I'm glad they learned something. We're way past learning. I thought the bar was set a lot higher than learning something this year. Yeah, you have to use your scouting time appropriately. There there was nothing new in this Carolina Hurricanes that Hurricanes game that we did not know before. The Leafs knew that this was an elite game, uh, elite team, sorry. It's going to be a highly f- fast-paced game and what they got out of the the end of that game was just more video to review, more mistakes were made and yeah, it's just, I'm losing my wording because it's, it makes me so angry when you hear responses from Keith like that because they said, oh, we're a better team leaving this. 
how are you a better team leaving this besides getting that extra video on file? <laughs> I I mean, I have a note here, like, you know, who do, who do we think said what to the team? I mean, after hearing that from Keith and what we know of Dubas, I think Shanahan came in that room and knocked some sense into this team. All of and into Keith. I think he came down from his office. What the hell's going on here, guys? We're a better team than this. We can play better than this. Yeah, I don't Honestly. doubt that. <laughs> I don't doubt like, that whatsoever. Or maybe a angry text to Dubis, and then he just <laughs> reamed into Keith, right? So, man, honestly, like I think all of them in that room needed it. Keith and assistant coaches and everybody included. I, I really just hope Shanahan came down and was like, guys, like this is not where I had the bar set for this year, and you guys know where your jobs are at if this keeps up. You're, you're losing time every time you lose. So I'd, I'd win tonight if I were you. <laughs> yeah. Even with Marner and his big boy contract, like six games is equivalent to $800,000 of salary. So you just want anything. And even tonight, I thought Marner was going to sink a couple or do something, but it's still an underlying story. Like he did get the one assist great same with Riley but uh, more has to be done so I mean it's kind of hard to say based on just one win now but do we think that they're just in a slump and this is kind of pulling out of it or is there really an issue with this team and this is going to be a tough regular season yeah I think this is a slump because of course I have to stay positive and I said in previous episodes that you know, usually the Leafs start out pretty pretty well and then they go downhill after Christmas time. But I'm hoping that it's the other way around and that they can correct their mistakes first and then keep learning and building from that. But uh, yeah, I'm saying this is a slump. I think Leafs are still going to finish top three in divi- the division. Uh, speaking of the division, Florida Panthers are still undefeated after tonight facing the Boston Bruins. So we know it's going to be tough. This is going to be a crazy, crazy long year. So I really hope that the Leafs correct their mistakes now and take that with them just in every single game. Because, you know, the worst is about to come. Like, these are the games where you need to do that. Yeah, and it's not like they have an easy schedule coming up. I mean, I say scraping the bottom of the barrel with the Red Wings. They have been playing a lot better than they should be. I mean, <laughs> they're up there with uh, Buffalo, who's also playing better than they should be. Then we got the Golden Knights, then the Lightning, then the Bruins. This is not an easy stretch for the Leafs. And if they thought that Carolina was a tough team and a test of what a real playoff team is, this is going to be a really, really long week for Leafs Nation. Yeah, it's going to be a rude awakening, that's for sure. The good thing about the Detroit game and playing at home is that Tyler Bertuzzi will not be able to play because he's the only unvaccinated player in the NHL, therefore he cannot cross the border. But with that being said, we know that the Leafs usually perform the worst against the worst teams in the NHL for some reason. And specifically against the Detroit Red Wings. (laughs) Through my whole life, they always lose to the Red Wings. And the Sens. Those were just the... It's so stupid. No matter how bad those teams were doing. (laughs) Brutal. Uh, Do we think uh, Marner has a uh, veneer appointment booked for when he gets back to Toronto? Definitely. Oh my god. Especially with the wedding coming up. (laughs) 
Oh, man. Every time they show him on the bench, I saw him complaining about that one icing call, which was bullshit, by the way. Uh, I don't know how it wasn't icing on Chicago, and then it shouldn't have been icing on the Leafs the other way, but it was. I don't know. There was a lot of stupid calls, but um, they just showed him on the bench like, the hell was that? It was fucking teeth. Oh, man. <laughs> Poor guy. Even Simmons said in an interview that Marner is a pretty boy. So, you know, the first thing he's going to do when he gets back in Canada is see his dentist and fix that right away. I'm just picturing, I mean, like, I mean, this guy doesn't stop talking, right? That's what we've heard. So he's probably got a bit of a whistle going on when he's talking. A little bit of a lisp. Some. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I kid. I uh, I wish him the best of dental surgery when he gets back with his uh, $800,000 from his first six games. Those razor sharp teeth just, mm-hmm. <laughs> just trying to picture him eating and his bite marks just just jagged. <laughs> oh, dear. Just wrecked. <laughs> so uh, we have another question here from our friend Luke Mann. Um, what was the turning point in this match? Uh, I think the turnaround in confidence started when Pierre Engvall went all enraged giraffe, six foot five and a light 90 kilograms, and said, no, fellas, I'm not going to get pushed around by you anymore. I totally agree with one. that. Yeah, <laughs> that is a That's perfect a description. I totally think that and the JT goal, the, the bench... They were lifted right after the goal. They had a little bit of momentum and hope in their minds. Like, okay, guys, we can come back. We're only halfway there. But like we said earlier, Engvall was, I don't know, he was the heartbeat tonight, which was really nice to see. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of that time when the Leafs were down and then Simmons kicked the shit out of somebody and then they came back and won. So, I mean, it's, it's nice to see somebody do that. Like I said, there were a lot of things Engvall did tonight I did not like. There was a lot of turnovers and a lot of just zero hockey IQ plays, like turning away from the puck as it comes to you and trying to hop on the bench. Oh my god, that but was bad. <laughs> that was so bad. But, uh, you know, I gotta give it to him. If he's gonna throw something in positive for the game, uh, turning the game around is something I'll take. Yeah, and especially with the second goal against the Leafs, that was on a horrible line change, and that should have not happened whatsoever. So, personally, I think after the JT goal, it just went uphill from or uphill from there. But yeah, so, once again, so happy about camp. I just, oh, I knew he was going to be a great shootout pick eventually. I'm just glad it was against his old team. Yeah, that's that's always nice to see. I mean. Gotta give one to Campbell too. He bailed them out when it was two to one. Uh, there was a insane breakaway where I thought the game was done. It was gonna be three one. That was it. Just nail on the tire. They were gonna deflate. But uh, man, Jack, like you were saying, if they're grooving in front of him, he will back them up. Like he he rides off the emotion of the team. And tonight he was feeling it with them. Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately, Campbell had to stand on his head a couple times with the breakaways there. But yeah, Campbell is elite. I will always stand by this statement. He's just an elite goaltender. And tonight he had a little bit of help, not as much as I really wanted it to to be. But oh, so glad he finally got the win. <laughs> yeah, and as many questionable coaching decisions as Keith makes sometimes... Uh, he did bench Riley for uh, that most of overtime after uh, 
he had some bonehead plays through the game. It was Brody out there for the majority of overtime, which was nice. So, we'll take it. Even if it gives Chicago a point, they're now at two. Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we will take a break there. Uh, when we come back, we are going to dive into some not-so-nice-to-talk-about news surrounding the Chicago Blackhawks scandal. So, stay tuned. All right, we are back on Leafs Late Night. Um, Again, just a trigger warning for sexual assault as we are about to cover the disturbing news that has come out this week uh, and over the last five months surrounding the Chicago Blackhawks and their 2010 uh, Stanley Cup run. So... Just to kind of go through the series of events, um, in 2010, the Blackhawks were obviously on one of their big playoff pushes, and uh, just around the time that they won their game that secured their playoff spot, um, a video coach by the name of Brad Aldrich, who um, was very connected in the league, his dad was a uh, equipment manager for the San Jose Sharks for a long time. Anyway, this is around May 8th or 9th, uh, the assault happens. Um, Within the next few days, the player who, um, in my notes here, I have John Doe, but since, uh, but an hour before the game started, John Doe has come out and revealed himself to be uh, Kyle Beach, who was the eighth overall pick of the Blackhawks in 2008. So very, 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 very courageous and brave of him um, to come out on TV to do an interview with Rick uh, Westhead about this, who has also done amazing reporting on this since it started. Um, Anyway, moving on. uh, So about May 12th to the 19th, he told a skating coach. um, And then it was moved up around the 23rd of May to senior director Al McIsaacs, who tells uh, Jim Gary, who is the team counselor and mental skills coach now something that's come out in the investigation around what jim gary said to him was basically that it was kyle's fault that this happened he essentially turned the blame around onto beach saying that this assault occurred because he allowed it to happen which is coming from a counselor this person is not a licensed doctor that, that has that has been confirmed. This is not a real doctor, and they are now being investigated um, by the state f- for this. And he, he could end up going to jail for this, because this is just absolutely appalling that anybody would, would handle a situation like this in this way. <sighs> so, Jim Gary, this counselor, having all of the details, um, moves it up the chain again. So, there's a meeting between... The executives of the Blackhawks. This is John McDonough, Al McIsaacs, Stan Bowman, uh, Jay Blunk, uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff, and Coach Joel Quenville. So this is during the playoffs, uh, about the first round. They have this meeting, or I think it's just before the first round, um, and they discuss how they're going to move forward with this. And they decide this is a decision by... um, I'm gonna, I think it was Quenville, uh, sorry, I have to, I'm going to skip, not skip through my notes. So it's worth noting that both Quenville and Sheveldayoff have, uh, have denied knowing about this happening until the lawsuit was filed in May of this year. 
So already from this investigation, we have a confirmation that all of them were in the room discussing this a mere few weeks after it happened, if not a week. So bullshit number one. They knew. Quenville knew. Sheveldayoff knew. Bowman knew. All of the executives knew. Okay? Quenville uh, has announced that he's meeting with Batman tomorrow to discuss this, and Sheveldayoff, still saying he doesn't know anything, is meeting with him on Monday, I believe. So uh, they're both doubling down on perjury. Uh, So Panthers and Jets get sucked into this as well by really no fault of their own because had this been handled properly, these people would have this on their record and they wouldn't have these jobs with the Jets and Panthers. So now two teams have to find a new GM and coach, assumingly, even though fucking Panthers let Joel Quenville coach tonight for some reason, which is appalling. Um, Steph, I'll let you take that for a sec there um, while I just go through my note again. For sure. Unfortunately, this is a sad, sad story. Absolute tragedy. It took 11 years for Kyle Beach to receive any kind of justice. And the saddest part is that we're in the earliest stages of this story and new information is still coming out. And you just wonder, like, why did it take this long for the NHL to respond? And why are we going through this again? Especially when we know about Sheldon Kennedy and his former minor league coach, Graham James. Who was also on today. Scandal. Yeah. It's It's insane. It's tragic. And I literally cried watching this interview because as a woman, as someone who has witnessed friends, family, people all over the world, we go through this all the time with people not believing your story so it hits home even more and this thing is i'm not surprised at the same time i'm i'm more surprised that you know it's happening in the nhl but they didn't want to investigate at all and i'm surprised that joel quinfill is coaching tonight but if a player is summoned to have a meeting with Gary Bettman, they cannot play any NHL games. So why is there leeway for coaches? It's yeah. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. And when I say that we're in the earliest stages of this investigation, we have to keep in mind that 37 people contacted by the investigating law for- firm did not respond to the request for interview or flat out refused to cooperate. So who knows what else is happening? That's the thing about it being surprising and not surprising. There are things that are surprising. There are things that aren't. What I'm not surprised by is that there is abuse in the NHL that is not reported. That doesn't shock me. It is heartbreaking and sad. But unfortunately, it doesn't shock me. What does shock me is that with all of the information that has come out already that the public knows that some of these people are still doubling down in their stories that they didn't know things or when they didn't know things. And it is absolutely mind-boggling. Who are you protecting at this point? Like, what what, and who are you protecting? Because Brad Aldrich is not somebody worth protecting. So who... The, the Blackhawks have cut loose all of the people involved in this. So what, what face are you trying to save here? Every fan has yeah. cut you loose at this point. Sorry, I want I want to move on in my in my story here with it because we haven't even gotten to the end of what happened. So, yeah. 
So there's this meeting that happens amongst the executives, and McDonough and Quenville uh, decided that they wanted to focus on the playoffs and not distract the team by bringing this to uh, to HR and starting an investigation. So nothing was done for three weeks as the team goes through the playoffs. So after the playoffs, they report to HR. Um, no one did anything. So this is now May 23rd to June 14th. They they kept him on, knowing what happened. But let's just get through the playoffs so we don't distract anybody. Kept a known sexual predator as a full-time employee of the Chicago Blackhawks, one of the biggest franchises in the NHL. Are you guys insane? So, June 10th, they win the cup, which, good for them. Like, that cup is now tainted. People are calling for them to melt their Stan Bowman's name off the cup, which I agree with. So Aldrich makes an advance on an intern at the cup party. The same intern who is then sent out with him while he gets to bring the cup to his hometown. He also gets a Stanley Cup ring. This is how we reward sexual predators in the NHL. It's not like they didn't know. They knew. They just didn't want to deal with it. It's not a matter of we didn't know. We, we still gave them something. We found out afterwards. No, they knew. They could have just... There are a lot of things they could have done. They could have... Even if they didn't want to distract him from the playoffs, which is the stupidest fucking excuse, then cut him... And leave it off to the side and don't have him there. Don't bring him around the team and have him face the people that you have credible evidence that he has abused. Like, this is fucked. Absolutely insane. So. Disgusting. After. They give him an option. Resign or face an investigation. Obviously he resigns. Who's going to take the investigation? This is a trend right now. It's just letting people resign. Stan Bowman resigns as as GM of the Blackhawks. Why didn't you fire him? Why did you allow the PR team to put out that statement that he resigned? How did the ownership not say, no, fuck that. We're firing you. What is with giving these options? I do not understand. Even with him resigning, he took a $20,000 severance pay and a $15,000 playoff bonus he's still walking away with money so why at this point are we giving people options especially if it's going against their basic human rights let alone the contract that they sign in the nhl which they are protected by so kyle goes on to uh or sorry not kyle brad aldrich goes on to um work at a high school in i believe wisconsin after this and uh, there was some talk initially when this story broke that there was a letter of recommendation from the Blackhawks. I think at this point that has been nixed. Not that that saves any face for the Blackhawks organization for allowing this to happen. This is still 100% blame on them because this wouldn't have happened had they handled it properly. Brad Aldrich went on to assault a 16-year-old at a high school. that he, went, he served nine months of jail time and five years probation for that. That is an ex- wow. extremely un like that was so avoidable had anybody in the Blackhawks organization followed their own sexual harassment policy. That's the thing. They have a policy and they did not follow it. Yeah. You wonder why some people live their lives in internal agony because it's situations like this. They are left to the point where They'd rather suffer in silence than deal with it because they know at the end of the day, 
all fingers are pointing back at them. Are they a liar? What what are they thinking? So it's just disgusting. It's I'm out of words for this situation. Even when we had the US women's gymnastics team and their allegations, no one took them seriously. The Me Too movement, just so much. And now it's come down to this and more people who are victims to Brad Aldridge and this sexual violence. It's disgusting, honestly, Johnny. I'm out of words for this. Uh, on the Olympic note, Stan Bowman was also allowed to resign from the U.S. men's Olympic team. Um, what's insane is that the assistant GM of the men's Olympic hockey team is also under investigation for covering up a sexual assault. Are you fucking kidding me? What is with the U.S. Olympic program? Do they not give a shit? Like, these were not hard people to vet. Like, Stan Bowman was hired as GM while this investigation was already public. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, what is up with the U.S. in general? Because all of this was not covered on any U.S. sports outlets, too. It was all Sportsnet and Canadian-based. I was so shocked to see that, especially since it's from Chicago. You would think everyone would know about it, but we literally had people on Twitter asking us for links to see what was going on. That is absolutely pathetic. I do kind of want to put a pin on that because that's something I want to circle back to is the media coverage on this because there's a lot to be said about that. Um... Are you aware of what Brad Aldrich was doing up until, I don't know, probably last week as a as a job? Some sort of random company with interns? Yeah, so he runs a glass company that touts its college and university internship program as a vital part of its, uh, of its workforce. Are you fucking kidding me? How is that allowed to happen? This is somebody who is a registered sex offender. How? Yeah. How? What? What school is allowing this to happen? Like, this is nuts. How is any of this happening? And my heart just goes out to these kids and and Kyle Beach for being so courageous for coming out today and claiming that he is John Doe and just these details are disgusting and i read through the 107 page uh, report and oh my god just the things that this guy did in his apartment to the players really it's disgusting and and really again just kyle beach is just deserves so much respect from everybody in the hockey world and everybody honestly outside of the hockey world for all all survivors of sexual assault like he he saw. He said in his interview that it was when he was playing over in, I believe, Slovakia. He was talking to a teammate about it, finally. And he looked up Brad Aldritz and saw that he had assaulted a 16-year-old. And that was what made him just say, no, I'm. Th- this is... I, I, that's what launched the investigation. But in his interview, when Rick West had asked him what he wanted to say, if anything, to him, that's what broke me. It was the fact that he felt he had to apologize for not stopping Brad Aldrich. That's just... Like, Kyle, it's not, it's not, you did everything that you were supposed to, and everybody failed you. And we're sorry that literally the entire organization, the NHLPA, the NHL, 
USA Hockey, everybody failed you. And we are all so sorry because it's just unacceptable. Yeah, people don't really understand the trauma that comes along with these types of cases. Sometimes they just think, oh, it's done, forget about it. But no, this is a lifetime of trauma that Kyle will always carry with him. And the other player didn't want to come forward and he reportedly lost his marriage and friends because of the trauma he faced because of Aldridge. It's it's so sad to see. It's it just breaks my heart, honestly. And it it just today I saw a statement from Jeremy Calton saying that it was a tough day personally to see Bowman resign. Fuck and off. that Stan Yeah, Stan gave him a chance to come to Chicago. He feels bad for him. Why don't you feel bad for the victims instead? You had 24 hours to prepare a statement, and this is what you say? What a slap in the face. Well, it was even the, um, the oh, you know, the, the Stan Bowman I know now wouldn't have handled this this way. The Stan Bowman you know now has known about this for 11 years and has still not handled it and still denies it. So I don't know who the fuck Stan Bowman you know, but the one that everybody has seen in the last week is clearly a monster who is protecting a sexual predator, so. Uh, yeah. Batman uh, slammed the hammer down and decided that um, a little $2 million fine was sufficient for all of this, which, I mean, the Blackhawks have announced they're donating half of it to charities and survivors of sexual assault, but, um, I mean, A, a million dollars for a billion-dollar company to donate is nothing. That's a tax write-off. And a $2 million fine is less than the severance they've given all the people they fired yesterday. So, Batman yeah. needs to do better. This is insane how this is being handled. Just for context, like, just to put into context how fines work in the NHL, Shea Weber, for example, if he were to retire, like, tonight, the Predators would be fined just under $5 million dollars in cap recapture fees because of how they front-loaded a contract, like, I don't know, 12 years ago. That's a $5 million fee. So what we're saying is protecting a sexual predator for a decade is equivalent of, like, you know, two and a half shitty contract salary recaptures. Like, this is just, this is less than a financial loophole abuse. That's what we're calling a criminal offense in the NHL is less than that. Yeah, the NHL are making their values very clear at this point because, like you said, in 2010, the NHL fined the New Jersey Devils $3 million for circumventing the salary cap. And then afterwards with the Canucks, $3 million for three years. This is a slap on the wrist. It kind of makes you think, like, is the, the Catholic Church running the NHL too? Like, why? The Coyotes why? lost draft picks for, like, scouting things that really nobody understood. What, they over-scouted somebody and they lost, like, first-round draft picks. I'm sorry, the Blackhawks should lose draft picks for the next, like, five years, for starters. They should be fined something in, like, the triple, di like, $100 million for this, at least. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, everyone knows it's wrong. Even fans, like, tickets in the next week are between 10 and $20 in Chicago. Of course they are. I could not believe it. 
you would never think because they need to make money somehow but yeah some of them were as low as ten dollars in order to fill the stands so i was surprised not to hear any booze tonight actually from the game yeah i hope there were some in florida i'm gonna watch it back <laughs> yeah they were actually chanting to fire quinville uh the fans were chanting oh, good. while the game was going on so yeah, Batman, he needs to hold people accountable and a standard needs to be set in this league for punishments, for allowing this kind of culture to not only happen, but grow. Because saying, oh, no, at the time, it'll be a distraction. Like, why do you think Aldrich felt that he could do this with no consequence? Like, he was very versed in how the NHL works. Like I said, his dad was an equipment manager for a long time. He's very versed in the dynamic between coaches and players and the power he holds over these people like i found an article like right when it was announced who well he came forward as kyle beach i found an article that um really just it kind of puts into perspective what was expected of him when he was drafted and how that was shattered and just taken away from him so this is somebody who was drafted the year um he was drafted over People like Jake Gardner, Eric Carlson, Braden Holtby, Tyler Myers, Tyler Ennis. Like, I mean, that's the caliber of player that we're talking about here. That This is somebody that should, A, still be playing, and B, be making, you know, good money. He could, he could be making $9 million a year right now if he had lived up to yeah. what was expected of him. This article is titled, Blackhawks. Was Kyle Beach the biggest bust in franchise history? And it basically just goes on to say that, yeah, you know, he, he kind of just falls off. We didn't get much from him. And um, why didn't he find any success in the NHL? Here, Here's a quote from Kyle Beach at the time. There were a million things, but I have to take responsibility for my part in it. How sad is that to read 11 years later now, knowing that he's at the time is taking responsibility for how all of this went down and how it ruined his career. Like, this is just, it's so Brutal. sad. Yeah, and I think that article was written in 2013 or 2014, and this is three or four years after the assault. So, you know, at this point in time, he's carrying so much weight on his shoulders, and he's already at that point in his career where the NHL is no longer a place for him. And coming in as a junior player, you have all faith in the coaching staff the management because this is where you want to be and the it's so sad to go over the details because these players had their, their trust in this guy and they relied on some insight and what the coach was telling them and if they would possibly be in the lineup that night and this is the way that he kind of just sunk them into their hole it, it's disgusting it's absolutely heartbreaking and i feel for him and i'm so proud of him for coming out today now what's what's almost it's tough to to put things on on level against each other but maybe not on par with the executives not doing anything but the players not doing anything either according to kyle everybody in the organization top to bottom knew he was getting comments thrown at him whether it was in the locker room on the ice in the arena in the halls whether you were the management uh, executive or the marketing intern or the concession guy, you knew about this if you were in the Blackhawks world. Like, this was not a secret. 
And uh, I'm sorry, but Duncan Keith and Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane have some answering to do to a lot of questions because, fuck, Duncan Keith was on right before Kyle Beach came out and he said, A, I don't even know who he is. He was asked, have you reached out to John Doe? And he said, I don't even know who it is to reach out to him. So bullshit and fuck you for not reaching out to somebody amidst all this if you because you obviously knew who it was uh b he says that you know oh some of the guys knew probably but a lot of us didn't that's also bullshit he was apparently being called like brad's boyfriend like this are you guys fucking kidding me stand up for your players like stand up for each other what kind of community and and values and culture are you trying to like what are you trying to promote in this league are you trying to be the stereotypical hockey players that everybody has pinned on you since the beginning of time that every like high school trope is like be better yeah it just makes me think like if they don't remember these times how often do they chirp guys in the locker room calling them homophobic slurs and saying you're this guy's boyfriend that guy's boyfriend and using being gay as a diss in general like why is this the current lingo in the league like why are we still on this page it's it's disgusting but i'm so glad that boyton and sopo collaborated the story because yeah without them for them like but kyle beach said he's practically uh his their heroes because no one else came forward unbelievable so what i wanted to talk about about the reporting on this now i have heard about this since uh the lawsuit was filed back in may uh rick westhead has been doing amazing reporting on this uh through tsn and steve dangle's podcast has done a great job they brought him on even to talk about it but they have kept up on it through any um developments in the story this has not been a major hockey news story TSN and ESPN and TNT and SportsCenter, SportsNet, nobody's been covering this. And then Tuesday comes around and all of a sudden the results of the investigation come out. Everybody's tweeting about it, everybody's talking about it. So, oh, if this is going to come out and not going to affect our relationship with the NHL, then, you know, if we're on the side of the populace of being against this, you know, we have the public to back us and everything and it's out and and we're not the ones breaking it. Yeah, we'll talk about it and we'll we'll milk the shit out of it and get everything we can and and play replays of of Kyle Beach's interview at every um, intermission and commercial. I'm a little disgusted by this. Like, if TSN had the balls to send Rick Westhead out to do this and and give him the support of the network to investigate this, then there should have been much more coverage on their network about it. And it's like you said, I mean, Sportsnet was the only one that was carrying it on TV at the time, which is insane. Like, again, what kind of culture are you trying to promote here with the NHL? I think there's a reason the Hockey Diversity Alliance has not had any luck partnering with the NHL. I don't think the NHL wants to be tied to something that people can pull receipts up on and go, you stand for this, but what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? I think they know the track record that is in the closet and they do not want anyone to go and open it. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah, it's more of a 
I've never heard of this before, so I'm not going to deal with it, even with uh, Joel Quinville. Oh, we're in the middle of play playoffs. I'll deal with this later. And now, oh, I have a game to coach tonight. I'll deal with this later. Like, it, it's just something that keeps getting pushed, and it shouldn't. It, it should be on all headlines right now. Kyle Beach deserves the attention, and it's unfortunate. None of these uh, U.S. news networks are giving our posting any accountability to anyone it's like the canadians are coming through and providing the story for the world it's 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 really sad i mean friedman had some good comments about it he didn't hold back in calling out the panthers for putting quenville out there and i like that they're being candid about this but like i said i mean there was a lot of opportunity to bring light to the story over the summer and maybe encourage some of these guys that weren't backing kyle to maybe come out and corroborate a story because this is going to be a thing. But if, you know, it, it's not in the news cycle and everyone thinks it's just going to go away, there's like, people aren't going to come forward. Now, hopefully this maybe not encourages the other victim to come forward with their name, but maybe to include themselves in this lawsuit because they know that they'll have the support of the entire hockey community and the, and the rest of people, of the fans. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's up to them, and it's ton. It takes a lot of courage, and wh whatever they decide, good for them. Everyone has their own path of healing. You're right. But I'm so grateful for Kyle once again, and just that interview. It's it's never going to be forgotten, and this is an imprint on history now. And we have multiple cases to talk about, L not just uh, back in the day where. We had uh, uh, Sh Sheldon Kennedy, sorry, but yeah, it's... Yeah, that interview is going to be um, in the history books as far as the NHL is concerned. That's like, you know, it reminds me of like like an Oprah Winfrey, uh, Lance Armstrong style. Like this is, this is a big moment in sports. Like this is historic and it's happening on Zoom. Like that's the world we live in. It's, you know, it, it was a heartbreaking thing to watch and if you haven't seen it if you um think you can stomach it because it's not easy i i recommend watching it just to to really see how this affects a, a human being and not just a name on a page that you're reading like the effect that this really has on somebody and and how how broken somebody who has so much potential and uh, so much of a career laid out in front of them just have it taken away like it's it, oh, it was a really hard day yeah and it's a good uh, lesson for everyone in the end that this does happen to men as well and hockey can be such a toxic environment at points that we need to get past we need to get we need to turn the page and it's not about starting fresh but remember that this can happen and to have better attitudes moving forward and that it's okay to talk about it and that there are supports out there and you don't have to bottle this up and provide yourself with even more trauma down the line but yeah sad sad day in the hockey world that's for sure yeah and i hope that um this has been uh, an inspirational thing for anybody that has ever been a victim of this, whether it's in sports or, or outside of sports. And I hope that this fosters a better culture moving forward in junior hockey that just 
moves its way up through the next generations of players because um, there are some people with some questionable character in the NHL right now, and they are not treated any differently than anybody else. So the NHL is not going to make a, a change on how they handle these players, so I think it's on players themselves to be more responsible with um, how they treat each other and um, on coaches, on how they treat players and executives, on how they handle any accusations of assault and how any of us handle stories that are brought to us and how we um, listen to stories of, uh, and whether we, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. It's, it's tough to talk about this all day. Yeah, definitely. <sighs> anyway, um, as hard as it is to kind of right turn out of this, we, uh, we have to. Let's end on a positive note. Let's look ahead to the next game and make some shootout picks. Uh, and how we think the Leafs are going to do. So, Steph, you want to uh, start us off here? Yeah. Um, thinking about shootout picks tonight, I'm definitely going to go with Marner. Just because the time has come. It is his time to finally sink a couple. I'm really hoping it's a power play goal for starters and he gets Toronto on the board on the power play and I just have high, high hopes for Marner. But my second shootout pick, I'm going to go with a defenseman and give it to Sandine. I know you picked him last round, but I have the same belief as you. I want to see that big shot from the blue line and just sink it in, you know such a good feeling <laughs> and for my last pick it's tough uh you're you said you were not too impressed with bunting's play but i'm gonna go with bunting i think that he had a couple meh, games and he's gonna he's come out the gates yeah he's due he, he's gonna come out on saturday and just show everyone why he's in toronto nice picks nice picks not gonna argue any of that um I would also take Matthews. I think like he's he's fired up now. He's got his shot back. He's definitely going to fire one from that circle and just hmm, top shelf, guaranteed. Um, my next one, I really, 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 really want to see Riley if he's not going to fucking play defensively, score for a change, because uh, he's clearly showed he's not a defenseman. And if you're going to leave us anyway, please just help us win a couple times before you leave. Like, don't go out like this. <laughs> And uh, I want to see uh, Andre Kasha get one. Cash money. Cash money, baby. Uh, speaking of, Zach Hyman scored again tonight. Nice. He is at... I picked him for my Tim Hortons. Nice. Pick. <laughs> He's at five goals in the last three games. <laughs> Absolutely wild, this kid. I love it. Um, love it. We should just run through the score. I, I need to uh, I need to get myself out of this headspace before we get off this podcast because I'm it's it's just so depressing. So let's go through some scores real quick before we sign off. Talk about some games. Okay. Um. Nice. So we got Panthers uh, took down the Bruins four one. Boo! Fucked Panthers. Fucked all Panville. Um. <laughs> Red Wings took the Capitals, three to two in overtime. Okay. OT okay. with Larkin with the big OT winner. Oh, nice. Good for him. Uh, Golden Knights beat the Stars in OT 3-2, and we currently have a second period tie of the Flyers 
And Oilers at 3-3. High-scoring game there. Um, yeah. And last night, because i got to talk about this, the Kraken just demolished the Canadians 5-1 to one for their first home win. I watched it. That place is so loud. For the last minute and a half, they're all on their feet. They're screaming. You could not hear the the end of the game, uh, like the horn, the buzzer. It was nuts. Nice to see that salmon go into the crowd. Tanev throwing it out. And yeah, nice little new tradition for the Kraken. First uh, win on home ice. Hopefully they get a lot more and prove everyone wrong after their slump of a start. What's funnier than seeing Tanev's picture show up on Twitter is when he scores. Or no, he was first star of the night and they have them all lined up and his stupid picture is up there. I'm like, are you kidding me? They actually use this one for this too. Just yeah, you can't see me because we're not video, but I'm wide eyed like Brandon Tanev. <laughs> and then Kapanen trying to copy him this year with his picture. Oh, did he? I'll have to find that. That's funny. Yeah, <sighs> and one note about uh Zach Hyman before we sign off here. Um, this guy, you know. Maybe one of the best compliments you can get in the NHL is when another NHLer talks about you to the media, but he says something along the lines of, which this was Mike Smith before he was injured, that he told his hockey playing kids to watch and play like Zach Hyman oh. and that they should model his game after him. And that is just amazing because he every parent wants their kid to play hard and play the best hockey that they can play and after hearing that i was like oh yes praise zach please oh hyman we'll miss you yeah all right so apologies for getting a little dark with this one but like we said we got to talk about these things when they happen it's important uh thank you for tuning in as always i'm roscoe Steph the Fanalist. Catch us on Twitter at Leafs Late Night. We'll be back at the next game. Have a good night. Good night.